Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning, everybody. Monday, August 16th, 2021. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is our weekly economic and market commentary, which, of course, is also available to you as a podcast. The name of the podcast is Slaying Bulls and Bears. You can ask your Google or your Apple product to play it uh, and just using your voice, and of course it will. But if you want the full uh, commentary, you need to subscribe uh, on our website, get the slides that you're seeing here. Uh, I guess, again, available on all different podcast formats. This presentation has been prepared for use with both investors and financial advisors, each of whom are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be construed or treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is for informational purposes. Speaking of information, let's start with last week's equity price um, moves. Big equity indices, the S&P 500 up about three quarters of a percent. Small cap, which had been in the lead and still is in the lead for the year, uh, was down about 44 basis points. International markets took the lead. You know, we're a little... We own international markets in our portfolio, but we're underweight, developed international. A lot of structural problems in Europe and Japan, uh, lack of progress on vaccinations compared to, say, the United States in many cases. Uh, but valuations are a little better. We saw a rotation there last week. Fixed income was strong pretty much across the board, although high yield gave up just marginally. You can see over here on the right in the fixed income space, really not a whole lot. Let me see if I can get my pointer out. I don't know where my pointer is today. Uh, there it is. Uh, you can see here, um, it's pretty, uh, pretty weak year-to-date gains in fixed income with inflation picking up. Really, it's been all about equity. As you know, we've been overweight equity uh, for all of 2021 and underweight fixed income. So we're happy about that, that positioning, of course. Uh, let's get into last week's economic data. Uh, this is not a typo. Job openings, that's open and available jobs, now exceed uh, 10, million, 10 million in the United States. Openings rose uh, even as we continued to add. We saw the great jobs report the week before, and uh, we had retail, we had manufacturing, education, all picking up jobs. This compares to total still remaining unemployed, not necessarily collecting benefits, that's a different number, but the benefits plus people who have exhausted their benefits, i.e. just unemployed people uh, of 8 million. So the jobs market, the labor market is really essentially healed, healed completely from, uh, from the coronavirus pandemic. We do not expect backsliding and more forced closures in the economy, regardless of the trajectory of the Delta variant. Uh, we do also think the Delta variant is probably within a week of peaking in this particular cycle. I mentioned to you last week, we tend to track along uh, with about a two-week delay to the UK cases. 
since the UK has been has peaked about a week, week and a half ago. We expect to peak there uh, shortly thereafter. We'll see that start to come down. Uh, also, we got small business optimism. Unfortunately, it fell to uh, 99.7, well below the 102 expectations. Uh, what did the respondents say? We still can't get parts and pieces and stuff. The supply chain is a mess. The ports are clogged. Rail yards are clogged. They're just having problems getting things where they need to be. Uh, good time to be in the supply chain industry, I guess, because you have ultimate job security. They really need some solutions there. Also, of course, the shortages of labor continues to plague many, many, many companies. We're hearing of uh, stores reducing their hours. Uh, the local uh, Ace Hardware by my house that we just had to reduce the hours of, this, of the store being open because we couldn't get enough people uh, to work. Restaurants not opening or reducing their hours. We've heard of resorts sharing employees, sending employees over to other, other, other uh, resorts in the same towns. So it's pretty tough out there. And that has driven uh, business optimism, as you can see, down, down a little bit here. We also got productivity and unit labor costs. This is important because it talks to this point of whether or not this inflation surge is transitory or not. And what you can see, uh, I think everybody's probably glad about this, is that unit labor costs, that's a labor cost per unit produced, is starting to come back down. Uh, the, 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 um, the gain was just barely above zero. So that, that's a, a little bit of a damper on the inflation there. Non-farm productivity rose a uh, little less than expected, but it rose and it was on top of a pretty big gain the prior um, quarter. Speaking of prices, uh, we got CPI and PPI last week. Those were probably the two most watched economic data points last week. Uh, remember the Fed, their target is 2% core inflation. Uh, they, they used the core PCE. This happens to be the CPI. Regardless, we've had a big spike. The Fed has said, hey, we think this is all going to be transitory, transitory, transitory. Okay, we'll give them that. Uh, the CPI rose half a percent after a big June. The year over year is now 5.4. Uh, the core, the core is up 4.3 year over year, but that seems to be leveling. And when you look through the report and look at the categories, uh, the reopening categories, that's the airfares, rental cars, et cetera, they only make up about 10% of the categories but they've been making up 75% of the jump in the CPI. Therefore, uh, right now, the Fed's argument is playing out. They're not, you know, it's easy to criticize, uh, but when you look through the data, you think, well, they seem to be doing a pretty good job on their predictions here. Same with PPI. Now, the PPI didn't roll over the way CPI did this month. It rose 1% for July. It's up almost 8% on a year-over-year -year basis, 62 6.2 on the core, you can see that there. Their problem continues to be, continues to be supply chain. Supply chain issues, along with strong, strong demand, leading to some inflationary pressures there. Um, we gotta wait and see what happens, but um, I'm not ready to throw in the, I, ha I still have my Ford administration uh, buttons that say win, remember that from the 70s, whip inflation now. I'm somewhere in the office here, I've still got these buttons. I'm not ready to start wearing them on a daily basis, but I'm concerned. I have to admit, I am concerned. Uh, we see a lot of the, the wage pressure, which could get passed through to consumers and therefore would certainly be less than transitory from an inflation perspective. We're also seeing import and export prices rise. Um, 
that's no surprise to anybody given all the other data I just gave you. Import prices up three tenths of a percent in July. That was less than expected. So that was probably pretty good. X, uh, X out petroleum, you're only up a tenth of a percent. So that's pretty good as well. On the jobs front, if you remember last week, I told you, this is it. It's only about jobs anymore. And then of course we had a blowout, great jobs report. The Fed is, is convinced they've got the inflation thing under control. Therefore, they're only focused on the jobs thing. And being focused on the jobs thing, uh, we want to see initial claims remain with a three handle or better. And they fell from 387 to 375 last week. Continuing claims continue to go down too, from 2.98 to 2.86. That's all positive and is suggestive that the Fed is probably more likely than not to begin the taper. That's the reduction of buying bonds. They buy $120 billion worth of bonds every month. 80 billion of treasuries, 40 billion of mortgage-backed securities. If they can buy less of those, that's called a taper. We, we expect that. I now expect that to come this year, given the strength of the jobs market, because they've told us that's all that matters is the jobs market right now. But Given the supply chain issues, given the ability to, uh, the worries of inflation, the worries about the Delta variant, we had a really negative report from uh, University of Michigan yes, last week on consumer sentiment. It was quite a drop and it was an unexpected drop. We were looking at for an 81.2 number. We came in at 70. That's the lowest in almost a decade. Uh, the only numbers even close to that in the past were April of last year, the, the COVID epidemic. October of 08, which was, you know, far more concerning to me when we had complete insolvency of the world banking system. Uh, but so all in all, people aren't feeling so good. Part of it is, of course, the news around Delta, COVID, inflation, et cetera, et cetera. If we can get the inflation to pass, if we can get the COVID cases to peak, we resume the reopening, the jobs growth continues uh, over the next couple of months, then I think the sentiment will follow right back up and you're going to see the Fed taper. Uh, and I think the taper could be bigger and quicker than a lot of folks are thinking. I, I say that because, you know, one of the things I do is I, as I read the Fed's statements and the comments by the voting members of the Fed. And, it, you know, it's funny, you know, the Fed will come out with a statement. They're going to have one um, uh, this week. They have the FOMC minutes from their July meeting will be re released on uh, Wednesday. So those will come out on Wednesday and it's, you know, a page or two but you'll fill 22 hours of financial talk uh, with interpreting that and trying to read things in between the line. I think the Fed is really trying to be very clear about what their intentions are. And when they wanna be very clear, they send everybody out on the road and they kind of get together and they try to speak for the most part in one voice. There could be minor disagreements between the members, but they do communicate what they're going to do. And I find it far more valuable to listen to what they say as, to, as opposed to what a commentator may say. Now, here I am commentating to you, so you might want to watch them yourself and interpret, but I take the liberty of coming up with some of these for you. These are last week's comments by Fed FOMC members. So we'll start at the bottom here. We'll start with Monday. Atlanta Fed President Rafael Bostic says that the Fed should move to taper after another strong month or two of employment gains and proceed with that scaling back process faster than in past episodes. So in other words, instead of going from 120 billion to 110 to 105, he's talking about bigger chunks. So maybe we go from 120 to 100 to 80 to 60, you know, maybe even bigger. 
That was on Monday. Then on Tuesday, uh, Fed Press, Chicago Fed President Evans says, we are going to be at the point where we've seen substantial further progress. Substantial further progress is what the chairman has been saying all along. We will reduce asset purchases and raise rates when we see substantial further progress. Now, one of the voting members comes out and says, we're going to be at that point later this year. Well, it's, it's August. So in the next maximum four months, we'll see the taper begin, according to this person. Then you've got Esther George, Kansas City Fed president. She says, with the recovery underway, a transition from extraordinary policy accommodation, i.e. ultra low rates and buying massive amounts of bonds, to more neutral must follow. She didn't put a timeline on it, but she said the same thing. Uh, San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly says Fed could start dialing back by the end of the year. Okay. Also, that 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 all these comments are sort of in line with each other. And then Neil Kashkari from the Minneapolis Fed says, if we see a few more jobs reports like the one we just got, it'll be time to start tapering our asset purchases. So I think the Fed is mostly in agreement. I think there are a few members that would like it sooner, a few members that would like it even later, but the delta between the two is not significant. Tapering is coming. Uh, the economy can certainly handle it. The economy is exploding and booming. I gave you last week discussion about the earnings blowout, 96%, I think it was year-over-year -year earnings growth with expectations of like 64. Uh, Top-line revenue beats were the most in well over a decade. Uh, all of the numbers are just fantastic. The last thing that we just want to get that jobs gap closed, Fed is seeing that jobs gap closed and will begin to pare back asset purchases this year. Uh, whether and when they start to raise rates, I think will be dependent on the inflation number. So if the inflation is as transitory as they say, they don't need to raise rates. If the inflation gets a little more sticky, like some people fear, some really smart people, uh, Mohammed El Arian be the best example, talking about, hey, this, is, this inflation is sticking, then, um, then I think they can use the rate tool to take care of that. This week, plenty of economic data uh, Fed Chair Powell is hosting a town hall meeting with educators this week. I don't think he would use that as an opportunity to signal anything new other than to reiterate and reinforce what his colleagues said all of last week. We'll keep an eye on what they say this week as well. But then we've got uh, Empire State or New York State Manufacturing will come this morning. Retail sales on Tuesday is a big one to watch. The consensus there is for a modest decline. I think we could be flat to higher. Uh, industrial production, capacity utilization, watch that number for inflationary science. It's got to be north of 80 to have any real inflationary pressures. Uh, housing market index, business inventory, starts permits, the minutes from the July meeting, those, that's important on Wednesday. Uh, member Powell's public you know, town hall, which will be televised, will be on Tuesday. Weekly claims for unemployment, Philly Fed on Thursday. Friday's pretty wide open. Now, remember, if uh, we have anything to say intra-week, we'll put it on Twitter. You can follow me there, at ETF underscore strategist, or on LinkedIn. I probably have, I think I have more followers on the LinkedIn. You could go to that one. Uh, but if you like the weekly, just ask your Apple product or your Google product to play. Herb Morgan's podcast, you can say, or Slaying Bulls and Bears. Please give us a like and a thumbs up. Uh, we appreciate that if you do. As always, thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week.
thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.